The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. You know, when COVID was going on and all that was happening in my spirit, I really began to be aware that God was bringing about a global divine reset and that God was really wanting things to not be the way they were but he was wanting to do new things and yet I found that in the beginning of that it was really easy to be humble to be hungry and to be really like going after God but over time it's as though you start watching the news you start getting caught up and you start looking at this instead of from God's point of view, from human or like the media's point of view. So instead of being divinely reset, it's almost like you get numbed or dulled. And it's as though you're just going through all of the things that are happening. So we're griping about this. We're frustrated with that. How we got to teach our kids at, at home. Why this is, you know, all these kinds of things that are going on. And it becomes about these ordinary human things instead of what is God doing. And you, you've got to understand that God is doing something. And it's his people that are the ones that are to be the light to shine that into the society. And so as we were going through that, and you know how many times we thought things were going back to normal? You know, I don't know if you had that here, but many times we would say, okay, now things are coming back, and then it would continue on, and then it would continue on, and then we started getting variants and all this stuff. And at certain point, I realized, God, I'm not waking up as much as I feel like I need to be waking up. I feel like I am being dulled, my perspective is too low, too human instead of biblical or godly, and I don't know how to change course. So I started looking at some verses, and I was looking at some things in Matthew chapter 24, and it was just talking in there about, you know, you need to stay awake. That God's describing that you, you really, there's going to come a battle as time goes on to staying awake. And that phrase, stay awake, captured me. And he's talked about many times, watch, pray, and stay awake. Those three things go together. And so I started reading that. And then he went into Matthew 25 where he told three stories about how to stay awake, how important it is, and the process of staying awake. And so I'm going to look at that today because I honestly believe most of us as the church felt the same kind of battle that I was feeling as though, okay, what's happening? And then we just kind of get into the mundane, into the ordinary, into the chaos and the hectic, and we just start looking at this as nothing different. I mean, one time I was reading when it was talking about as time gets later, all the things that will start happening. And I realized they're happening. We just call them our words. Like he talks about all the things that will happen. And we just say, well, that's uh, climate change. 
Instead of realizing, no, he told us that we would have these severe things happening on the earth and that those are birth pangs. But if we just see it as climate change and not birth pangs, it's a whole different reaction, right? Are you with me? <laughs> Thank you. Come on, let's go. So when I was looking at this, I realized God wakes us up for a reason. And he even tells us as time gets later, staying awake becomes urgent. And he tells us like a warning, if you don't stay awake, there is going to be harm that's going to come. And so one time as I was just reading this, I realized that God is telling us as time gets later, we're going to see things that are going to happen and that he's going to bring wake up calls as time gets later, both personally and globally. That God wants to bring yet one more time a move upon this earth that is greater than what he's ever done in the history of the world. And that he wants to bring a move that will be globally a spiritual awakening. Yet at the same time, there's going to be waves of rebellion, waves of darkness, waves of other things that are going to be coming. It's like these two things are going to be happening. And he's saying to those that have ears to hear and those that have eyes to see, stay awake. Because as they're going, if you don't stay awake, you will start to get caught up in those waves that are coming. And I realize those waves are building. They're not staying the same level. And so if you don't stay awake, like if you go where I live in Florida, if you go out into the ocean, they have a thing called riptide. It can start to take you out into the sea. And so if you get caught in that tide and nobody notices, you're gone. And really what the Bible is describing, that's the reason it's saying, when you see these things happen, don't be afraid. They're birth pangs. What is birth pangs? Get alert. Get focused. Something's happening. You need to pay attention. And so he's saying, as time's going, I want to move upon the earth yet one more time. At the same time, darkness is going to rise, and it's going to begin to intensify and pull on people. And he talks about these waves that will come. He talks about waves of deception. I mean, you can't even trust the media like you used to be able to trust the media. There's waves of deception. He said there'll be apostasy. There'll be give this doubt, this unbelief that will come. There'll be words where people just want words that make them feel good instead of the truth. There'll be false teachers that exalt their thoughts over the words of God. They will distort the word of God. And he's telling us, be on your guard because this deceptiveness will affect you. Now, 10 years ago, I would talk about this, but I didn't realize how powerful the deception would be until we started going through COVID and you didn't know what you could trust. You didn't know who was telling the truth and people started becoming consumed with conspiracy theories and all these other stuff. And you realize, well, if deception keeps building and you don't stay clued into God, it's easy to become confused. Are you hearing me? Stay awake. You don't understand. These tides will keep rising. He talked about that there will be waves of great shakings, natural disaster, plagues, weather events, famines, wars. You know when he talks about nations will rise against nations, the word he uses there are people groups. In my country, people groups are rising against people groups. And it's only intensifying. We're becoming so much more almost tribal that we're rising up against each other. And you realize that he says, when you see these things, these are birth pangs. These are 
to believers to be alerts. Okay, we are seeing these things. And in, in, in America, many times we'll have something happen and saying, this is a biblical size event. And it's like, how many times do we say this nowadays for hurricanes, for tornadoes, for floods, for all of these things? And he says, you're going to see these things happening and it creates anxiety and it creates stress. And it, it almost begins to confound the wisdom of people. And we start trying to figure out how, how can we fix this? And then it talked about waves where the love of people would grow cold. Why would it grow cold? Because of the increase of wickedness. There will be hatred, division, and people will begin to close their hearts. And you realize, I honestly feel like that's happening in a lot of degrees, that people are beginning to become more cold and hard and cynical and unbelieving. And he's saying, stay awake so you don't get caught in that. And I, and I think we think, yeah, I, I'm doing okay. And yet I would say to you, the love in the church is not increasing. It's not being a witness to the people out there. It's like we can realize we can, we can be selfish and backbiting and hateful and gossipy and all of this stuff. And yet Jesus said the world would know we were his disciples by our love for one another. And yet you could say, how strong is the love of God in the people of God? And in many ways, it's not really drastically different. And if we're awakening, we'd realize, I, I tell you, I, I was going to say this later in the message, but I was watching a documentary on Martin Luther King, and then it made me dig in. I've, I've always loved him and respected because he created a movement that changed a, a world, a culture. And the way he did it was walking out the things of God, but I saw him teaching a sermon, Loving Your Enemies. Now, you got to, the sermon was good, but what it broke my heart because he was teaching people that had their children, their husband, their wives, and people hated them, sent dogs to bite them, cursed them out, wanted to destroy them, hurt their children. And he's saying, Love your enemies, that love will conquer evil. And they did it. And even other blacks hated them because they felt like they were being too passive. But they were walking out the words of Jesus, and they impacted the culture. The evil of bigotry and all of that was exposed. And because they did not return evil for evil, it was so powerful. And you realize the church is supposed to be like that. The church is supposed to shine with such love that the world and all of its hatred and all of its angst and all of its anxiety and all of its fear that they look at the church and they see something different in the church. But if we start getting caught in these waves, then we don't seem anything different. We're just like them. He talked about waves of people becoming more selfish where they're lovers of self rather than lovers of God. He said, in the last days, people, times will be difficult for people will love of self, love of money, be proud and arrogant, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, heartless, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, swollen with conceit and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They don't care about the things of God, the ways of God. They care about what is about them. And honestly, I see a culture that's Western culture frightens me about how arrogant it's getting, how it's almost telling God, what right do you have to tell me what to do? 
It's like raising up in an arrogance and a pride. I had someone say to me, well, what is this God? Like he tells us, if you don't love me and believe in me, I'm going to send you to hell. What kind of choice is that? And I said, you left something out. And he said, what? I said, he came to rescue you because you were filled with a curse called sin. And it was destroying you. It hurts other people. It cries out for his justice. And it mars his purposes in this world. And he came to rescue you from that destructive force so that he could bring you into heaven. And you, if you reject it and you turn yourself away from it, he didn't say, hey, I'm throwing you. You chose, I don't want your rescue. And you see, but the world is just rising up with this arrogance towards God. And he's saying, all of that's happening and it can touch you. And it can begin to lower your guard. And he's saying, stay awake. Keep the fire burning. Keep your heart going for me. And so God begins to send a divine reset. He said he would send multiple things on the earth to awaken us. That when we see these things happening, we would say, that's a birth pang. That's a birth pang. That thing God is doing to let us know, humble yourself, quiet yourself, turn yourself into the Lord. If not, then you begin to just get that tide. Because I'm telling you, the perversion, the distortions, the deceptions have only risen in the last 10 to 20 years. Have they not? Dramatically more than we even thought. And they're going to do that. And he's saying, stay awake. The Bible warns us again and again, you must stay awake or you will get captured. The Bible would not warn us of something that's not going to come on us. So when it warns us, it's, he's warning us because it's likely that we could get captured by that. Matthew 24, this is the verse that I read, verse 42 through 44. It says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if your master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let the house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect it. I used to think of the, the return of the Lord as just that day when the Lord returns, but I realized the Lord describes this whole period of time called the last days, and he describes that Things are going to be building. God's going to be doing. It's like he's building towards a climactic event. And he's saying, you need to be found ready because as all of that is going on, the tension and the warfare is going to intensify. So he said in Luke 21, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and that you'll stand before the Son of Man. It says that when the Lord comes back, that people will be crying for the mountains to cover them because they're not ready for his return. To stay awake means to be vigilant. It means to be on guard. It means to be alert. It means readiness. The opposite of being awake is being in spiritual slumber, lethargy, a sense of being on autopilot, casual, dry, weary. Heavily laden. He says, you need to be ready so that you escape. He wakes us up so that we can begin to get spiritually prepared. You hearing me? A wake up is not just so you say, oh, okay, I'm awake, I'm awake. It's like now I want to help make you ready. 
because these tides are coming. I want to strengthen you. I want to build you. I want you to be a light. I want you to be found ready. So it's saying, I want you to begin to be where you are increasing, not just barely surviving. So I was reading all of that. So I went into Matthew 25, and he starts talking about how do we stay awake? And I want to look at these three parables. The three things that I got from this is one way we stay awake is to establish your first ministry. Now, this is the story of the ten virgins. And this is what Jesus said. Then the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 25, 1 through 4, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But when the wise, the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. All right, now hear this. There's ten virgins. That means they're believers. They're righteous before God. He said they all had lamps. A lamp represents the light that would shine from their life, their assignment, their ministry, their God-given calling on this earth. See, God chose you to glorify him on this earth. He gave you gifts. He gave you purpose. He gave you calling. And he's saying he's given them all lamps. And they're all waiting and watching for the groom to come. The church is to be waiting and watching and knowing. This isn't just passing time we're doing here. God is doing something on this earth, and he chose us to be a part of it. And then fourth, it says, five were foolish and five were wise. He defines the foolish ones as the ones that took their lamps, their assignment, but did not take oil. The oil speaks about the presence of God moving in the hearts of people that spend time with God. The foolish ones did not walk closely with God. They were busy doing their assignments, their job, their family, their ministry, but they did not prioritize that walking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit doing the work that he does inside our hearts as we are depending on the Lord, trusting the Lord, following the Lord, surrendered to the Lord. See, your first ministry is to the Lord, not to all these other things that we have. We're to seek him. We're to worship him. He's to be the shepherd of our lives. We are to trust him. We are to hold up our shield and follow him and not follow the ways of the world. Our lives are to be surrendered to him. This is our first ministry. You have to fight to stay in a position where you're really deeply connected to Christ. And God writes on your heart as you're with him. He does things that inspire you, that strengthen you, that develop you, that prepare you for what he's wanting to do. So many of us have assignments that we have. We want to minister to our family. Amen. We want to make an impact in our church. Amen. We want to reach people in our workplace for Jesus. Amen. But my first ministry is to the Lord. That's where I find the strength, the love, the wisdom, the hope, and the power to carry out the assignment. We lose focus of God when we get focused on our assignment our daily responsibilities, our duties, and we're just running autopilot with God. There's no tears in our prayers anymore. There's no intimacy. There's no the word of God burning as we read it. So God sends up wake-up calls 
to call us back to our first ministry. And the foolish ones took their lamps, but they had no oil. They were trying to carry out their assignment without the oil that comes from being with God. Inquiring and deepening in that relationship where he does things and writes upon us. And in verse 4, it says, The wise ones took the oil, and Jesus said to them, and defined to them that they were wise because they did that. Because they had that oil with them. When we put our job, our ministry, our family, even wanting to do good for God above him, we begin to see our oil run dry. In fact, I will tell you that many people will come into you and say, I feel burned out. I feel weary. I know I've lost the joy of my salvation. da 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 and if you ask them, how is your walk with the Lord? They will tell you that is not moving very well. That's where you get the oil. Now look in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 25. And the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. Now, this sounds like, come on, guys, you're being selfish. Why don't you share your oil? But that, that, we know that's not the spirit of Jesus because he was very sacrificial. The foolish ones were concerned because they saw their lamps were going out. A lot of times, I think, in these kind of shakings, God's showing us you're weary. You're not where you need to be. You need to restructure the way you're doing things. Your love for people is growing cold. Your impact, even though you're trying to do things, it's not fresh. It's not alive. He's, not, he's showing you your, your lamp is getting weak. And you don't do it by redoubling your efforts. You do it by going to the Lord and letting him begin to renew the oil. And they said, we can't give you our oil. I think this is so true. You cannot give to someone else your spiritual preparedness. You cannot give to someone else the victories that you labored and sought out God and stayed there on your knees, not willing to turn back until there was a breakthrough. You can't give to somebody the faith that you fought for month after month and you held on to no matter how hard hell tried to get you to turn back and give it up. You can't give that to somebody else. Those are things that God puts on you and writes on you. And so even in this time as you're trying to stand, trying to keep the fire going, trying to get your heart back where God's calling your heart to be, you're going to be there laboring before him, worshiping him when the doubts are trying to beat you down, beginning to open yourself when the society is just wanting to push you close. That is where oil begins to come into your being. Amen. You can encourage someone. You can tell them that there is hope. You can even show them and tell them the ways to do these things, but they've got to choose those things to get oil for themselves. There's only one place that oil comes from, and that is before the Lord. Jesus was saying wise leaders are prioritizing seeking him, and they're staying awake. He says to the foolish ones that are running out, go buy oil. Invest yourself in your relationship with God no matter what it costs you. 
may lose some sleep. You may lose some of your video game time. Or you may have to give up some of your leisure. But friends, the reward is valuable. The oil that God will begin to put into your life. And he's saying to us, as we look at all of this, where's your oil at in the Lord? He's saying, I, I need more. It's not where it needs to be. The second thing, he says, is be faithful with what God gives you. And this is the parable of the talents. In verse 21 and through 26 of chapter 25, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you had to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. He's saying to him, there will be an accounting of our lives. And he's saying, be faithful with what I give you. And not only in this life, but in the life to come, you will receive more. Some people think and worry about the size of their ministry, their impact on this earth. It doesn't matter if God gave you three people or 3,000 people. It doesn't matter if he called you to the, to the street sleepers or if he called you to the elite of the society. Be faithful with what God gave you. I love the way John the Baptist answered when they said, people are leaving you and they're going over to Jesus. And he said, that's for heaven to decide. I just need to be faithful with what God gives me. You and I are to be faithful. And Jesus is saying, I so honor faithfulness that I will insist that as a part of my government in the age to come that you are rewarded. In verse 25, it says, the unfaithful one says, I was afraid. And he lists off excuses why he did not do anything with what God gave him. And God's answer to him, he ignored all of his excuses and he said, you wicked and lazy servant. That seems a bit strong, doesn't it? You wicked and lazy servant. Now, he had all kinds of excuses, and I know that I've been a pastor a long time. I think it's 40 years I've been a pastor, and I've heard all kinds of things. In those years, you people say, I'm too busy. I was hurt in the past, so I, I don't want to do anything again. I don't feel comfortable in that. It's hard. I don't feel qualified. I don't like to drive at night. I don't like this, or I don't like that. And lots of reasons why. They want the pardon Jesus asked offers them, but not the mission he calls them to. And Jesus says, the problem is not the excuses. The problem, the root of it is, is wickedness and laziness. Now, I meditated on that a while. And you remember, this says that as time gets later, wickedness will increase. 
that there will be more and more compromising, there will be more and more selfishness, there will be more and more where people are making it about them instead of making it about God. We have a media that floods us with comfort and ease, with lust and greed, with all of this kind of stuff. And then we have social media where it's all about us, about promoting myself. I honestly read an article that said, Pastor, you don't need to be a celebrity on social media. And I said, amen. But we're all feeling like we should be. I should be a celebrity. I should promote myself more. And so we all get caught up in all of this culture. And so we begin to be just getting caught up in the way of things. And so wickedness and laziness are real things that people are going to get caught in. And he's saying, you've not been about the mission I gave you. You've not been about carrying out the calling that I put upon the church. You've not been about being light in a day that is dark. You're not burdened that there's not love in the church and you're wanting to see my purposes carried out. You don't have that because you're making everything about you. And you could say, I see why he said it. I understand there is truth there. So he's saying, stay awake. Or you get caught in these things. And they're real. And when I send a wake-up call, there's also grace to move if you'll respond to the call. He doesn't just send a wake-up call and he said, now you're on your own. He always gives you the grace to begin to move where you've not been moving. Finally, last thing, is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And that's where I put love others in the light of his coming. To love others in the light of his coming. Jesus told these three parables about how to stay awake. And in this one, he says clearly, I will come back and this is what it'll look like. I'm gonna ask you how you loved people. And I want you to be found ready. So in verse 31 and 32, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will not come as a lamb that is slain. He's going to come as a righteous judge. All his angels will be with him. All his glory will be with him. You remember when Moses went to the mountain and God was, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's smoke, there's shaking, there's all this stuff. I mean, the people were terrified. And he said, I'm going to come and sit upon my throne. And we recognize the Lord will come one day as the Lord God Almighty. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and he said, now is the time you get ready for that. Don't wait until the, the day of his return. Now, because honestly, I really feel like it's getting harder and harder to live the way he's talking unless I hold on tightly to him. And he's saying here, I'm going to come and I want, you're going to stand before me and I want you to love people the way I've loved people. I sat there and I thought about how many ways. He rejected the religion of the Pharisees because they didn't love people. 
I mean, they judged each other. Remember, he would tell, so, tell the story about two people going into prayer. One was full of himself. The other was humbled and broken. And he said only the broken and humbled man went out justified. He told the story about the, the I mean, to have the event of the woman caught in adultery. And they're all feeling puffed up, ready to judge. And he said, ye without sin, you cast the first stone. You have the time where he tells the story of the guy that was forgiven a great debt. But he wouldn't forgive people of lesser debt. And that he was telling them he was cast into prison and he's saying so will be for all of you if you don't forgive other people from your heart he tells us in the lord prayer forgive lord let us forgive others as you have forgiven us and he talked about don't even go talk to people about their faults until you've dealt with the you've really looked and been aware of how much mercy forgiveness and grace and patience god has given you so don't get on your high horse and get haughty and coming down on other people because you need to deal with the log before you even talk about the speck in them and he goes on and on someone strikes you turn the other cheek forgive 70 times 7 i mean it's so inundated with this love thing that he wants to do. And you think about it. Who's telling us this? It's a God who lived in holiness, who came down here to die for sinful people, to pay a debt that he didn't know at all for you and me who owed a debt we could never pay. He's the one saying, the way you're going to be light is to love people. And you got to fight for that because you're going to be in a selfish, hurtful world that's going to do a lot of stuff that's going to want you to shut your heart, pull back, pity yourself, be discouraged, hold resentments, hold bitterness, hold on to wounds, and you're not going to show my glory. And then he told, this is the way he said it, the king will say to those on his right, come to me, all you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I think of when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing God wants? And he said, there are two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first. It is the greatest. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor, those people around you as you love yourself. Everything hangs on these two. I mean, he's telling us the key, the point the way you're impactful, the way you keep your heart open is to fight to keep your heart willing to love even when people don't love, even when people are wrong. Because that's the kind of love I've called you to. He even says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. How can you say you love God you've not seen if you won't love your brothers whom you've seen? See, real Christianity that Jesus is calling, it takes courage. You can't just be on cruise control. You really got to fight for it. And there's a tide that's pushing us in the opposite direction. And you realize that when God sends wake-up calls, it's because God is saying, I really want to do something. I'm calling my people. Come back to me. Come back to the standards that I set. I, I, I literally sat with the elders, the board, the staff, the small group leaders, the, the leadership of the church. And I said, how many of you in here are praying for God to move in this place? They all, almost all raised their hand. And I said, God hears our prayers, but we're not seeing the fullness of what we want to see. Are we doing anything that grieves his spirit? And they kind of sat there, well, yeah, probably. And I said, I just want to bring up one thing. 
Do you talk against anybody else in this church? Do you gossip about them? Do you backbite them? Do you see the worst and not see how to fight for the good? Do you not love them as Jesus has loved you? And I said, just think of what the spiritual atmosphere would be of this place if we really started to fight to love the way he called us to love. That means I forgive 70 times 7. Even though you're still weak in something and it hurts a lot. I mean, I tell people all the time when they come to complain to me about somebody else, do you realize that you're also hard to deal with? And that you hurt people too. And that there are people that feel that burden that you're feeling from them. And that's the reason the scripture says, love each other, forgive each other, bear with each other. Do this. This is the way my presence will begin to come. And I say to you, friends, God has sent a divine reset. And we begin to realize, God, no, this, there is, the, the fire is low. I need the oil of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to do it, but you know, that's where grace comes. As you humble yourself, what does God give to humility? Grace. What's grace? Divine enablement. It's like, God, I don't know how to get the fire going again. Well, I tell you, if you begin to humble yourself and seek, you will begin to see him pour out the blessing and the fruit of that. And so I, I say to you, I was really, I changed my message tonight because I really say to you, Bromley Town Church, it's an honor to be here with you. I'm so glad to see so many of you again. You're dear people to me. God has sent a divine reset. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to cruise through it and pick up very little from it. I want, as we begin to get up and move again, that we realize we're not going to be the same people. We want to be different, and we want to be moving with the Lord in different ways. And these Three parables of saying, Lord, my first ministry is to you. Lord, I want to be faithful with what you called me to. I want to stop making excuses and blaming other people. Lord, I want to stop living in the way the world treats people. I want to live in the way you called us to talk, to think, and to relate to one another. Hallelujah. Father, we all have things that we've not been able to break through. We have things that you feel, we feel you calling us towards, but we don't know how to get to. We have things where we know we're, we're not where we need to be. We're stuck or we're stagnant. And God, we cry out to you, have mercy on me, Lord Jesus. Give me the grace to get to where you're calling me. It's not by my power, it's by your power. It's not by my understanding. It is by your Holy Spirit, that you can begin to do what we've not been able to do. So we call upon our Savior. We call upon our Redeemer. We call upon the name of the one that loves us and gave his life for us. Lord Jesus Christ, I give my life to you. Begin to take me forward that I may be where you're calling me to be. Make me ready for all that you have, want, and desire but I give myself to you. I will not hide and shrink back and pull away or resist you. I come with abandonment in my heart. I want what you want for my life. I want you to do what needs to be done in my life. I want you to soften what needs to be softened, to open my heart. I will not stand back and act like I have to work my own salvation. You are my Savior. You are the one that can do in me what I cannot do.
So I call upon your name. Break through my heart. Break through my lethargy. Break through my fears. Break through the numbness and the dullness that is trying to settle on me. Do not let me be caught in what is going on in this world. Prepare me. Make me ready. Awaken me, Lord God, I pray. I praise you, Jesus. You are more than enough to do what needs to be done. I open my heart to you. Have your way. Bring a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit in me. I am not fighting you. I give you the control. I give you the reins. I give you my heart. I give you my battles. I give you my needs. I give it to you. You are faithful. You are faithful. Do what you need to do, Lord, but let me not miss you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you that we can count on you. We don't earn this request. We receive it, God, by your grace. And we just humbly ask for your redemptive power to work in us. We praise you, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Our hearts are yours. Turn them in the direction you want them to go. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Turn them that they may go in the direction you are calling us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.